0: Please stand to hear the reading of the gospel. Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor an alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Good morning. It's really good to see you guys today, I'm Dave Gunlock, It's how I sound right now, so thanks a lot. It is good to see you all, so fun to be together as always. This summer, this is what we're talking about. How do we cultivate this rich inner life with God? What does it look like to have this deep, life-giving experience of our God so that we might then go out into the world and live a life of overflow, that what we've received from God, the love and grace and the support, that that might spill over into our lives of other people. So this summer, we're talking about receiving from God, And in the fall, we'll talk about how do we then go out into the world and pour that out with others. Uh, We looked at Jesus' own rhythm in his life, where he had this rhythm of, of going away and receiving input from his father, right? Of getting away, being refreshed, receiving guidance, being reminded of his identity, and then going out and loving and serving and healing and teaching this ministry. And so this this fall, we're talking about that top portion, or this summer, we're talking about that top portion of how do, we, how do we receive. Specifically, what are the practices? What are the habits? What are the rhythms that we can build into our lives that will help us to have that ongoing input, input from our Heavenly Father? How we started, we spent three weeks talking about God's Word. So we need to have this regular experience of going to God's Word, receiving truth, rem- being reminded of His promises, being guided. Last two weeks, we talked about prayer of course, coming to God in prayer daily to be filled up again. And now we're going to spend two weeks looking at this third practice of the Sabbath, uh, one day in seven of stopping, resting to be with our God, to receive from him. We'll take two weeks to talk about Sabbath, so today is going to be biblical overview of the Sabbath. Sabbath 101, if I can say it that way. And then next week, as we're doing with all these, we'll get incredibly practical. Okay, what does it actually look like to have a Sabbath day? What would that look like for me? And we'll get very specific and concrete. I'll give you a little worksheet even you can kind of think through on your own or with your family. How would, what would it look like for us to enjoy God's gift of Sabbath? So today is biblical overview of Sabbath, uh, beginning in Exodus 20, of course, the Fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments. Before we walk through Old Testament and New Testament, I I just want to acknowledge something about the Sabbath, which is that uh, Sabbath is a a radically counter-cultural thing to do in Orange County in 2017, okay? The word Sabbath means, actually means stop, literally cease, stop, but stop so that you can rest, And uh, we don't know how to stop very well around here, right? We are addicted to activity, and and it's because of that, we have a hard time truly experiencing rest. In fact, I was thinking about our culture this week, and I thought, if there's a word that I think defines our culture, it's not the word rest. It's actually the word restless. (laughs) We are a very restless culture. Some words that come to mind. We're busy, we're hurried, we're distracted, we're cluttered, we're driven, we're anxious, we're restless. What happened to restless? Oh. A couple of things I think that play into this. One is we it's I talk about this all the time, but we, we tend to to try to find our identity in achievement, in activity. That our culture encourages us to ask, who am I? What makes me legitimate? What gives me a sense of value? And the culture around us has taught us to define ourselves by what we can achieve, what we can accomplish, what we can produce, uh, what we can acquire for ourselves. Whether that's money, whether that's friends. Uh, so we, we live this, this culture of, of achievement and activity. Uh, there's a right answer to the question in our culture of how are you. The correct answer is how am I? I'm busy, right? That's the right answer. You say busy with a a hint of pride in your voice. You have to veil it, but oh, man, life is busy. Man, I'm just working really hard. Things are really busy because busy means I'm important. The wrong answer to how are things going is, honestly, I don't have much going on these days. Like, I'm kind of just hanging out, you know? That's the wrong answer in our culture because that says something apparently about my worth and my, my value. Uh, we have um, <laughs> uh, a problem in our culture called this, which means what? Fear of, out. Fear of missing out, right? We hate missing out on things. We live life here like um, I was just talking to uh, two of you who are going to Europe in a couple of weeks. And, you're, and what you, when you go to Europe for two weeks, you really experience FOMO, right? Yeah you're like, okay, we've got to take advantage of every day. What do we want to see? What cities do we want to go to? And I think FOMO the right way to approach two weeks in Europe. You really, wa- really want to, you know, experience all you can. But FOMO's not a great way to live life all the time. But we kind of tend to, we don't want to miss out on things. We want to make sure that we maximize everything. And that leads to restlessness. And then, of course, I think this The technology that we have available and the entertainment that we have available has really played into this too. When when we're not accomplishing and achieving, what we do is we move towards distraction. We move towards entertainment. We move towards anything but actually just being still. And so that basic biblical commandment, Be still and know that I am God. That is very hard for us to do today. Maybe it's always been hard, but I think it's particularly hard in our culture. We are restless. We're so afraid of missing out. And the irony is, I think that because we're so afraid of missing out, we actually do miss out. <laughs> we do miss out on what, what God wants to give us through rest. Let me read a quote. Um, part of this is on your bulletin, but don't, don't look there. I'm going to read the larger quote. This is from a book on the Sabbath by Wayne Mueller. It says this, We have lost this essential rhythm of rest. Our culture invariably supposes that action and accomplishment are better than rest, that doing something, anything, is better than doing nothing. Because of our desire to succeed, to meet these ever-growing expectations, we do not rest. Because we do not rest, we lose our way. We miss the compass points that would show us where to go. We bypass the nourishment that would give us support. We miss the quiet that would give us wisdom. We miss the joy and love born of effortless delight. And so in our fear of missing out, we actually miss out on what God has for us in rest. So today, as I said, we're just going to take a look at the Sabbath, a little overview from Scripture, this idea of one out of every seven days stopping, just stopping, (laughs) stop. Rest and enjoy your God. So we'll look at a couple passages in the Old Testament, a couple passages in the New Testament. So we begin in Exodus 20. This is uh, people of Israel that have just come out of Egypt. Now they're at Mount Sinai. And God is giving them the Ten Commandments. And the fourth commandment, verses 8 through 11, is to honor and remember the Sabbath. I want to jump down to Verse 11. He tells you to he tells them to honor the Sabbath, to not work, and then he gives the reason why we would why Israel in this case would honor the Sabbath. Look at verse 11. For in 6 days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the 7th day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The rationale for Sabbath is is rooted in the creation story right the creation account in Genesis 1 and most of us are familiar with the account but I don't know if you've ever thought of this but in Genesis 1 God is basically presented as a worker okay he's a creator but he's a worker working a six day work week followed by a day of rest and so God will work day one and and build something and then usually at the end of the day God will step back and will say and God saw that it was what that it was good, right? He, he works, and he steps back and, and notices his work was good. Day two, he builds and creates something else, steps back and, and notices it's good. He does that for six days, and then, of course, on day seven, he steps back from all the work. He has finished his six-day work week, and he takes an entire day, and it says that God rested on the Sabbath, on the seventh day. It, elsewhere in Exodus, it actually says God rested and was refreshed on the Sabbath. Now, I'll I kind of have the question what does it mean for the God of the universe to rest? Okay, my God doesn't get tired. Um, I don't think the God of Scripture ever gets tired. So, what does it mean for him to rest? Well, I think at least it means, well, he stopped, <laughs> he sabbath. he ceased. From the work, he finished creating and he stopped. And not just that, he also he's stepping back. He's being refreshed in the sense of he's looking at his work, and and he's satisfied with the work that he's done. He's stepping back, going, "This is good." He's being nourished. He's he's experiencing the fruit of his labor, if I can put it that way. Much like we do after a day of good productive work, when things go the way we want, we can step back and we're refreshed. We, yeah, that was good. So God works and then looks at it all and says, yes, that is good. And so in verse 11, it says God did two things on that day. Look at the last sentence. Therefore, here's what God did to the Sabbath. The Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and two, he made it holy. Let me start with that second God made this day holy. The word holy means set apart, unique, different. God took one day out of seven and said, I'm going to make this one different than the rest. The other six look different. The same. This one looks different. It's unique. It's special. Different things happen on this day than on the other six days. I'm making it holy. I'm setting it apart from the other six. And then it says also, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. Now, that's, an, that's actually an interesting idea. Uh, if you go back to Genesis 1, God creates animals and he blesses the animals. Be fruitful, increase. He creates humanity and he blesses the humans. Be fruitful, But what does it mean for God to actually bless not creatures, but to bless a period of time? Like this period of time, I am blessing, and I assume in some ways that is different from how I'm blessing the other six days. And and I think at least what that means is when you see God bless things, there's a fruitfulness to those things. So I think what He's saying in blessing it is at least this: this day is going to be a source of blessing for my creatures, for my humans. There's going to be a lot of fruitfulness that they experience, a lot of joy and blessing that they experience in a special way on this day that is different from the other six days. So that's the rationale, is God's work in creation back in Genesis 1. And based on what God did, the command here is then, you too, human beings, just as God had a Sabbath, you too, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day. Okay. Look at verse 8. Remember that by keeping it holy. I want you guys to treat this day different than the other six days. I want it to look different for you as well, just as it did for God. Now, how do we keep it holy? Well, obviously, verse 9, don't do any work, right? All the work that you do the other six days, whether whether you're working in the fields, you're working in the home, you're working in an office, wherever you're working, you stop that work, okay? All the normal responsibilities of life. In t- today's language, we say all the to-do lists, okay? Sabbath is the day to scrap the to-do lists. No to-do lists on Sabbath. No, these are the things we have to do to keep our lives running. No, no, scrap the list. There's no to-do list on this day. No work on this day. That's what you don't do on Sabbath. Well, what do you do on Sabbath? Look at verse 10. It doesn't give us a lot of detail, but just this. But the seventh day is a Sabbath. Here's the kicker to the lord your god this is a day not to work in order that it might be a day to the lord your god that you might rest but that you might not just rest but you might rest with your god that you might enjoy your god and celebrate him specifically i think here celebrate him as the creator that he's the one who created everything he created you He's given you everything you need to live your life. And it's a day to step back and remember, God, you're the creator. God, you run the universe. And so in that sense, Sabbath is really an act of faith. Say, I can stop everything on this day and celebrate you because you run the universe, God. I don't. I love this quote from Daryl Johnson. When God's people stop their work for a day... It is a dramatic sign that they recognize who actually runs the universe. Right? Sabbath says, I can turn off my work phone. Uh, I can stop the work because in the end, I'm not that important. Because the world will keep spinning whether or not I try to keep it spinning. Because God is the creator, I'm not. And so I can let go of all that and I can trust that he will provide for me even if I don't work every day of the week. All right, so that's the first thing we learn about Sabbath in Exodus. It's a day to stop and remember that God is creator, and we are not. Secondly, we'll be quicker on this one. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. 5, 12. Page 179. It turns out. So this is uh, about 40 years later. Now Israel has experienced 40 years in the wilderness. Finally, after a long time of trial and testing and challenges, they're coming into the promised land. And now Moses, before they come in, he's rehearsing the history that they've had with God, reminding them of all that's happened in the 40 years. And he gives them the, the Ten Commandments again, now 40 years later. And here's his version of it here. Let me read it to you. Verse 12. A lot of this is going to be familiar until the end. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Okay, that all sounds very similar, right? Sounds like what we just heard, but listen to verse 15, a little different. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So in Exodus, Sabbath is rooted in the creation account of God resting. Here, Sabbath is rooted in what event? The Exodus, right? Salvation. God stepping in and saving them from slavery In Egypt, Moses is saying, remember, Sabbath is a day to remember that you were slaves in Egypt. You worked for the Egyptians. And guess what? When they were slaves, I promise you, they did not get any days off. Okay? There was no Sabbath in Egypt. You worked every day because you are not free. You were slaves. And so now that I've rescued you, I am giving you a Sabbath. And what I want you to do on that Sabbath is remember That when you were helpless, when you were hopeless, I heard your cries and I stepped in and I rescued you with my mighty outstretched arms. And I want you to remember on Sabbath, you're no longer slaves. You are free men and women. You're not servants. You are children of the king. And one of the ways you can do that is by not working. Because kids don't have to work all the time. Kids get to play. Kids get to trust what their father provides for them. And so on Sabbath, I want you to remember, you are not slaves. You are children of the king. Amen. Now, we, of course, weren't rescued from slavery in Egypt, but we've been rescued from a slavery that's even bigger than that. And Sabbath, then, is a day not just to remember that God is our creator, which it is, but also to remember that God is our savior. That when we were slaves, when we were stuck in bondage to something, through Jesus Christ, God stepped down and with a mighty outstretched arm freed us, rescued us. We're no longer slaves. We're not slaves to the law. We're not slaves to sin. We are free men and women, sons and daughters of the king. And Sabbath is a day to be children of God and to celebrate God as creator and God as savior. All right? So I think that, that summarizes the Old Testament teaching on Sabbath, a day to stop and rest, and to enjoy God as our creator who takes care of us, enjoy God as our savior who rescued us and saved us, has made us children, right? And the other thing I want to say in the Old Testament is uh, there's two postures towards Sabbath in the Old Testament, both true. One is in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, Sabbath is, is a command, okay? It is an obligation. It is part of the law. God does not suggest Sabbath to his people, He commands it, right? And it was actually in the Old Covenant. It was punishable by death if you did not observe Sabbath. So it was command. It was part of the covenant. But it wasn't just command. It was also this wonderful, beautiful gift that God gave his people Israel to be received and to be enjoyed, to nourish them, refresh them, to, to nourish and, and strengthen their relationship with him. And so as I see it, it it's like this merciful command. <laughs> okay? And the, analogy, the best analogy I could come up with is, let's say you're, you have a job and you're working and you're going through some really hard personal issues and it's kind of, it's kind of affecting your job and you're, not, you're just not doing as well and you're tired and you're overwhelmed and your boss comes up to you one day and just says, you know what? Take next week off. And you're like, no, it's okay. I can do it. He's like, no, no, I'm actually not asking you. <laughs> I'm telling you, take next week off. Take some time. Come back refreshed. Okay, that is a command. That is not a suggestion from your boss, but it is a gracious, it is a loving command. And that's, I think, how we see Sabbath in the Old Testament. Obligation, but this gracious gift that God gave his people. All right, let's, let's talk New Testament just for a second. I'm not going to um, go into a lot of detail here. But the great question, of course, is, okay, how does Sabbath, how does the Old Testament commandment of Sabbath to Israelites, how does that apply to New Testament Christians like us today? What's the relevance of Sabbath for us today? And there's, there's two places in the, in the New Testament that I think are important to go, and I'll, I'm just going to put them on the screen so you don't have to turn there. Uh, the first is, of course, to, to think about the, the gospel accounts of Jesus and his conflict with uh, religious leaders over the Sabbath day in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so what happened is, you know, God gave Israel these commandments. God really doesn't give a lot of detail about Sabbath. You ever notice that? I mean, it's kind of like stop, rest, enjoy. That's about it. And the Pharisees love to fill in details. And so they came up with this long list. Okay, what, is it, what exactly does it mean to observe the Sabbath? The last thing we want to do is break the Sabbath. So what would constitute work on the Sabbath. what, What can you do? What can't you do? They came up with this list of rules. They had 39 different categories of activity that you could not do on the Sabbath, right? There was a certain amount of steps you could take on the Sabbath before you were working, a certain amount of knots you could tie, a certain amount of weight that you could carry before you broke Sabbath. And so they added all of this stuff around Sabbath that became this legalistic oppressive weight to the people, And so Jesus, of course, is going on Sabbaths, going to synagogue and celebrating and I think observing Sabbath, but he's healing people on the Sabbath, which is work. He's breaking their view of the Sabbath. And then sometimes the people he heals will pick up their mats and walk. So now he's forcing them to work on the Sabbath. And so there's this big controversy. And I think that the definitive statement that Jesus makes in the New Testament about Sabbath that is so helpful is this. He says to the religious leaders, Hey, The Sabbath was not made for man. Did I say that right? No, no. The Sabbath was made for man. I I was trying to think, what's the corollary of that? It's not going to work out in my mind. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus is saying, you guys don't get it. The Sabbath was made for people. People weren't made for the Sabbath. Go back to Genesis 1. God didn't create a day and then create people to try to honor that day. No, God created people. Day six. And then he created this day that was for the people. But people don't exist to make sure this day stays holy. No, no. The day was given as a gift to people. It's a gift to refresh them, to, to cultivate their relationship with me. The Sabbath's not made for man. Sabbath was made for man, not made for the Sabbath. Come on. The question to be asking yourself, Jesus is saying on the Sabbath, it's not, am I perfectly obeying this day? No, the question is, how can this day serve me? How can this day help me in my relationship with God and with my fellow human beings? And so Jesus will say, it's, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. If I can refresh a human being by healing him or her, I'm going to do it on the Sabbath. It's this good gift. So he, what he does is, I don't think Jesus ever broke the Sabbath, by the way. He certainly broke the Pharisees' version of the Sabbath. What I think he does is he, he kind of pulls it out of the legalistic baggage that it has, and he, he gives it back to us as the original gift that God intended it to be. All right? So, so that's the first place. The second place is, of course, to go to some of the things that Paul, the Apostle Paul, says about the Sabbath in the epistles. And this is where it, it starts to give us a sense that maybe something has changed in terms of our posture in Sabbath versus Israel in the Old Covenant. Let me show you two examples of that. Uh, the first is Colossians 2. Paul is speaking to this church in, in Colossae. Uh, Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. He's talking about the, the Old Testament laws. and You don't need to be judged by these things anymore. What you drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are all shadows of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Let me give you one more. He's even more upset in this one, Galatians 4. But now that you know God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? I'm thinking Old Testament laws and all that the Pharisees kind of built around them. Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. Now the context of these comments is always a group of Christians who are being tempted, probably being urged by others, to go back to some sort of pharisaical, uh, old covenant view of, of how we be the people of God. The way we be the people of God is we obey the law. That's what defines us as God's people. That's what gives us uh, A sense of God's approval is is our ability to keep the law. And Paul adamantly, you know, including Sabbath, including eating kosher laws, all sorts of things, but Sabbath's included in that. And Paul is so adamant. No, you guys, Jesus has come. That old way of trying to make yourselves right with God is done. Okay, Jesus died for your sins. He was raised for your forgiveness. You are made right with God, not by observing the law. You are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And so the context is, if you think you have to observe Sabbath to have God's approval, you completely miss the gospel. It's the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ through faith in him. That's what gives you salvation in God's approval. So you don't need to go back to these things and think, this is, what, this is how I earn my keep with God. All right, so I think that, that c- covers some of the, what the New Testament talks about. In terms of Sabbath. So, taking those things together, my own answer then people disagree on this, so I'm just letting you know that. My own answer to the question is Sabbath still relevant? Should we continue to observe Sabbath as new covenant Christians? My answer is uh, twofold. Answer number one no, uh, not as law and obligation, not as required in order to be the people of God, in order to gain God's approval. But, as part of God's continued gracious invitation to us, absolutely. As a good gift that God built into the creation account that he gave to bless his, his creatures with, absolutely. Absolutely, Sabbath is still relevant to us today. And I would encourage every Christian to take full advantage of the Sabbath. The the conversation has always struck me as a little strange. I've had this conversation over the years you know, someone will say, um, do we still have to observe Sabbath um, as, you know, as Christians? And and I'm like, gosh, that strikes me as a strange question. Uh, I I think technically my answer is no, but that's like, that's like saying, um, you know, now that we're married, do we still have to go on date nights? You know, like, well, no, I guess the answer is no, but I, I don't really get the question. Like, the better question would be, as New Testament Christians, do we still get to enjoy the Sabbath? And my answer is good news, yes, absolutely. It is still God's invitation to his people of a life of rest, of a rhythm that is going to be life-giving and fruitful in so many ways. So, there's my biblical overview, Sabbath 101, So next week, what we're going to do is we're going to get really practical, and we're going to ask ourselves the question, what would it look like for me to really take advantage of this gift that God gave his creatures back in Genesis 1 that I think he continues to offer to us as his gracious invitation, this day of, of true rest and refreshment? And I want to, so I'm not going to get into that today, obviously, but I just want to leave you with this thought that. That for some of you, as you think about Sabbath today and next week, that maybe there's, there's a new invitation from God for you about this day. About this one day and seven idea. That there's a, there is a new invitation. And I want to go back to what I said at the beginning. That we are in this restless culture, right? Full of activity and achievement. And for some of you, my prayer is that you would hear God saying, I have something different for you. I am inviting you into a, a new season of, of refreshment and rest. There's this rhythm that God has built into the creation of rest and work and rest and work. And I think what our culture so often does is we do so much work and activity. We're just always going. We're never stopping. That when we finally move to something, rather than true rest and refreshment, we move to something like escape and entertainment. Right? We, we, we work and we... we do activity, all this stuff. And then, and then we move towards, I'm so tired at the end of the day. I just, I go to, I just need to check out. And so we check out, we, you know, we watch three hours of TV or we, we go to some form of escape and entertainment. It's, it's this mind numbing escape. It is not actually truly nourishing and refreshing to our souls. It's just a, it's a checkout at the end of a really long day or the end of a really long week. And so what I think we're invited into is absolutely fruitful, hard work. That's, well, that's God's good gift to us, but then a rhythm of that, and, and a day that, is truly, that truly gives us rest and refreshment for our souls, which is to say, uh, a day of overflow. Do I have my image left? No, I don't. Um, that picture of, of overflow. Let me get rid of all that. A day of true overflow, where we really are poured into by God. It is truly refreshing, so that that day actually overflows into the other six days, that what I receive on that seventh day overflows because I'm changed by the day. I'm not just checking out an escape. I'm not just having a day off. It truly is a day of rest and refreshment for me. So I want to just have you be sitting with, what is the invitation to me in in this? Let's pray. Well, Lord, we're so grateful that, that you... When you created us, when you saved us, you you didn't want servants. You wanted children. What a beautiful thing. You want to be our, not just our master, not our boss, but you want to be our father. And for some of us, that comes easy, being your kids. For others, it's just hard to really just stop, to rest, to play, knowing that you take care of us. That's hard for us. And so I pray that as we continue this conversation this week and next week, that you would just be calling. I even think back to what we did earlier, this this call of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are burdened and weary, that we might truly find your rest. So call us. Invite us into this gift that you've given to your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.